0: Hey guys, this is Chris Burcher with Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, coming back with episode 54, The Bully and Your DNA, part one. This is a two-part series where I'm going to talk about, continue to talk about the are versus should problem, and in this case I want to bring up two sort of um, metaphorical elements that I call the bully and your DNA. And why is this important? Well, we we talked about, I think in episode 51, about the personal inventory and putting everything out on a table and sort of questioning all of the things that you've done in your life and all of the beliefs that you have. And the process of going through all that stuff and sort of starting over has to have a few guidelines or else you're going to end up back in the same place where we started, (laughs) where we became these people, you know, teenagers or adults or wherever you are in your life – that result of sort of this bifurcation of reality to the R side and the should side. And what I want to demonstrate in these next two videos is I think we can think about the should side as being a bully and the r side as being driven by your DNA. So or, or 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 sort of programmed according to your DNA. And these things might not sound like they're too complementary, but I think these offer the best. Again, metaphorical or maybe maybe literal explanations of what these two parts are and how they operate. So this is the part one where we're going to focus on the bully and the should. Because if you think about it, the shoulds bully the Rs. So the parts of you... Who are, who are who are feeling like you should do certain things, or the ideas that you have about how you should behave, or what kind of decisions that you should make? They're coming from somewhere, and 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 that somewhere, that voice, that that reasoning, the explanation, the push to get you to behave in these in these certain ways, is a is like a, what a bully would do. And so we can think about it this way. Very rarely do I think the shoulds represent your best interests. Or what you really want in life right i think I think that that goes all the way to the top of the r versus should problem is that i 'm i 'm picking the r as being the idealized situation and the should being the negative situation this I, now as a as a side tangent that i 'll probably revisit uh, in the future, but just if i haven 't said it yet, there are probably situations where the shoulds will actually benefit you, and they might even have your self-interest at heart. And I can think of an example of like when you're trying to get a job, if you think you should act a certain way at an interview in order to sort of be seen as fitting into the company culture, well, and you may need to actually disagree with who you are uh, and act in a certain different way maybe maybe you want to act flirty or maybe if you're a girl and I dare to even say this out loud but maybe you want to show a little cleavage or whatever it is that will think you think you will benefit from some behavior in the short term but maybe that isn't who you are uh or maybe how you want to be or 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 who you who you are but maybe that helps you get forward in life and make more money and put food on the table. Okay, so there are some situations where the shoulds might be looking out for you and you might be able to understand. But in general, there's still going to be some cognitive dentist dissonance, the difference between the are and the should that's going to be uncomfortable. And so I still think it holds that the shoulds are bullying in this case. You know, maybe there's another job out there for you that is going to work out better. And by being yourself in an interview and not getting that job is actually going to lead to a better opportunity. I, it's hard to say. But I can see where somebody can make the argument that the shoulds aren't always the bullies. But I'm going to take uh, the approach that almost all the time, and generally speaking, shoulds are bullies. And how do bullies act? Well, they try to get you to do stuff that you might not want to do. Uh, and, 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 and the point of, all of treating the shoulds like a bully is that for some reason, we let the shoulds win. The R's more often than not back down. And, and and that and that creates the problem. If that didn't happen, then there probably wouldn't be an R versus should problem, right? We would have fought back and the end of the movie would have come in the front and there would have been no movie to watch because uh, we love the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell style, style stuff where in the beginning we're bullied and we're victims and the bully is strong. And who we really are is maybe weaker, but throughout the course of the movie, we learn to find some strength and we stand up for who we are and we beat the bully down. And and, and that's kind of what I envision uh, for this whole rest of what knowledge plus experience equals wisdom is trying to do is to enable us to to win uh, and, and to be the heroes of our own lives um, and become who we were meant to be, who we were born to be. And realize our purpose, and all those sort of clichey woo-woo uh, frou-frou type ideas that I actually think are are, are really the the punchline to this whole "are versus should" problem is there's a, there's a person that you are that we really don't ha- have a whole lot of control over that just happened upon birth, and I'll talk about this in part two more. But if you think about it, there's some inherent reason. That you are the way you are. And this is, of course, modified as you live your life. But one of the modifications that I'm talking about in this episode that I'm particularly concerned with is it can be modified in a very negative way. And I will argue that the shoulds are modifying the ours in potentially and mostly negative ways. We're not allowing ourselves to be who we really are because of the presence of the shoulds. Um, and so, what is the should? where does it come from? Well, ultimately, it comes from norms, rules, laws, structure, and community group society level organization because the the um, you know the, the 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 tragic or catastrophic and romantic feature of the R's is we're not alone in the universe. We aren't meant to be the person who we are in isolation as an island or a lone wolf. We are and exist and coexist with all the other R's. So there are, there's, there's, there's two levels of organization. There's, there's, the, there's the individual and then there's the group community that we live in. And there are slightly different uh, rules that apply. Now, I would like to think we can come up with, and hopefully we will come up with, some fairly universal tenets about how we manage ourselves and then how the community manages itself. And this goes back to sort of the the, the superorganism idea of ecology that the Earth is a cooperative, symbiotic, dynamic entity that 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 governs all among it. And so I think there's some woo-woo magic, you know, indigenous culture, Native American spirituality that says there is an emergent property of individuals that is the community of people of species of the human species that can actually govern itself the way an individual would govern it, its body and that 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 those levels of organization obey basically the same universal laws. I think that's a thing. We're not currently doing that now. Although, if you think about the should is a bully metaphor, I'm sort of imposing a societal situation where a person bullies another person and, and bringing that into the individual level. And so we're crossing levels of organization with patterns. And remember, I'm—I I'm, was a trained ecologist. I'm a scientist. I look for patterns. Patterns are amazing things because a pattern creates a tool, and then we can take that tool and apply it to different situations to see if it still fits. And if nothing else, it's really awesome when a tool does kind of fit. You know, and you think about—I've used the example of the dendritic pattern of nerves, blood vessels, tree roots, rivers. You know that 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 dendritic theme gets at the conservation of energy uh and how and how these different needs were evolved to meet or be met using exactly or identical type organizational scheme network and all these different to solve all these different problems i think there's probably emergent properties that apply to both the community level of organization of people and the individual person but the point is as we go outside of ourselves and consider our interactions with our other people, there have to be some sort of rules. Um, and if you think about something like the Bill of Rights, you know you have um, you have uh, the right to pursue happiness and up to the point where it infringes upon someone else's happiness. you know so you've got your rights, but you also have to consider other people's rights. So if your basic need was to eat people, um then that's probably not a good one because being eaten is not something that you want to happen to you and so if everybody's you know how, how is that going to differentiate it's 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 just a stupid rule it's not going to work it's a pattern that would not have met the uh um the contingencies of natural selection right if if a person uh, cannibalism is not a thing uh in many Species. Now, in some it is, but remember, there's an exception to every rule. I'm talking about for the hundreds of thousands of species, how often is cannibalism, you know, a fundamental part of that? It's not very often. And it wouldn't work for people um, because your right to eat another person infringes upon their right to not be eaten or to live. And, you know, fundamentally, I think the right to live ought to be pretty high up on the hierarchy. So, what what I'm getting at here, and you probably already come to the same conclusion on your own, is that the, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's probably at the top of the norms, rules, and laws thing. And I don't know what the right words are for this uh, because there are lots of different mechanisms to govern our behavior in our society currently, right? We have laws that tell us what we can or cannot do or will we be punished? Now, some of these make sense. You can't kill another person without getting punished. That's a really good one. Um, and then uh, you can't speed on an interstate. Mm, you have to wear a helmet when you're riding a motorcycle. You know, there are laws. There's obviously a hierarchy within what we call laws of, you know, ranging from critical to the existence a coexistence of people to things that are just good ideas, to things that are really kind of absurd. Like you can go to jail for 10 years for having a joint cigarette of cannabis. Uh, So that's all over the place. The laws are weird and laws represent, you know, probably a few steps down the line. Um, And if we, as we move back up that line, the next one um, that I can come up with are, are are norms or, or no rules. Rules are less severe than laws and they're usually not punishable um, at least you know like jail or fines or death like laws are. But rules are things they're ease more easily broken and so you would think they're less critical. But as a rule that we need to wash our hands after we go to the bathroom, Is that really less severe than a law that says you cannot possess a joint of marijuana? I mean, it seems to me that the possession of a marijuana cigarette is a fairly victimless crime, whereas not washing your hands after you pee could spread an oral fecal disease to all of the people that you interact with that day and potentially result in death. Um, So what's the difference between a rule and a law? Well, it's, I mean, it's just arbitrary, right? It's It's however we sat down and decided uh, and wrote them down. And so my point there is whatever the words you use, rules and laws, you know, has to do with the severity and semantics and the dictionary and what we think these words mean. We've come up with a set of tenets, and I don't know what to call them because rules imply something and laws implies penalties and all this, you know... We've come up with a set of, and I'm just going to say, rules about how we should live and what we can and cannot do in order to have a better life. Some of these seem absurd, arbitrary, ridiculous, uh, and the, you know, there's the you can read on the internet about all the dumb laws that are still on the books, like it's illegal to run over a chicken if it's in the road in some town in Georgia, or you can't milk a cow on Sundays. A lot of them are just dumb, and the way. The, the 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 degree of attention and thoroughness um, and seriousness that we treated these things with is all over the place some were just made up some just were, were created to shut somebody up and to solve some problem and to move on and, and and then some were seriously thought about and said what do you what do we really need to have on the books I think our founding fathers in the United States probably spent you know, A modest effort writing the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. I don't think that's like the Bible. I don't think it's nearly as important or well done as we give it credit for. They were just humans. Um, They still had to go poop. They still wanted to go have sex with their mistresses and wives. They still wanted to be drinking alcohol. They still did all the things that you do. Nobody made these huge sacrifices to write this thing. It's good. It's not perfect. And that goes across the boards for all of the rules. Now, if you back further upstream, less severity, but more close to um, solving an immediate problem, we have what I'll call societal norms. We wear clothes in public. We go to the bathroom in men's and gender-specific bathrooms. We pick up our trash. You know, these are just things that we. As a, as a society and as individuals sort of agree that, you know, our important thing, we clean up our messes. You know, I'm I'm, I'm working on kind of a side, it's a list and someday it might become a book of things I wish my, I had taught my kids better. Things like if you close it, if you open it, close it. If you use it, put it back. You know, if, if the container is empty, throw it away. If the trash is full, take it out. Um, and, and so these sort of things are just things that just kind of make sense um, that are, For some reason, at some different organizational level from things like rules and laws, but maybe they're more general, maybe they're just more day-to-day, maybe they're more benign. I don't know why there are different levels, but we all suffer from and benefit from different levels of organizational rules, norms, and laws that dictate how we live our lives. Some of these make sense. Uh, As a non-nudist... I think it makes sense to wear clothes in public for, um, sanitation reasons. Uh, and just, you know, because I am not used to seeing naked people, it would make me uncomfortable if it was an option to be. And I don't think I would be comfortable at a nudist beach or hanging around with people who didn't want to wear clothes. It would be weird to me because it's not my thing. Now in a culture, where nobody ever wore clothes and we just, that's something that you did and it, I'm, I, I don't have a problem with it. So there, there there, are weird levels. You know this, but you probably don't ever really think about it. The point of it is all of these things influence the should voice in our heads, right? These are all what the shoulds is. And these these come from different levels, from the government... Telling you you have to file taxes, and you can't speed on the highway, and you uh, you can't carry a concealed weapon in your car, or whatever, or you can't drink beer, um, you can't uh, whatever. Uh, there's uh, you know what the laws are. From that, that's sort of some distance from you, but you know that it matters, and you may or may not choose to obey those things, and you risk the penalties if you're caught. Two societal norms of. Um, you know, you don't, I used this before, you don't get drunk when you take your kid to the Elmo uh, Sesame Street Live concert because that's weird and it could potentially have you, you know, somebody could call social services on you. Um, you don't um, make out, you know, passionately in public in the middle of Walmart. Um, there's just things we all kind of know would be inappropriate and therefore we, you know, we, we change our behavior. Well, some of us do, maybe it would never occur to you to do that. And so you're not really altering your behavior because it's just something you wouldn't do up to somebody who's like, you know what? I really, really want to take a dump in the middle of the parking lot because I got to go, but I know people would look down on me and they would sort of be offended and they might you know, be shocked. And that's probably not the appropriate thing to do, but I really got to go. It would make my whole life a whole lot easier if I could just do this. I don't know. Uh, you can think up millions of things um, for that uh, th- so there 's the there 's the the legal level, which is like some f- far distance away there 's the immediate people around you what what would they think if they saw me do this and then then there 's like your family and friends who um, you know, maybe your family is racist and you really want to date this uh, person whose skin's a different color than yours, but maybe you don't want to bring them home because then it's going to be awkward because you're going to offend your parents and you would put this person in a weird spot and you don't really want to talk about it because it might risk your relationship. And that creates this "are versus should thing, right? Based on some very local. Um, and so the consequences might be a little bit different. You're not going to go to jail, but not obeying that household norm rule may result in the feeling of awkwardness. So, God, the, the range is nuts from, let's say, the death penalty to feeling mildly uncomfortable uh, and everything in between and, and not really having a standardized, sensible relationship between those two things, Right. Um some people feel so strongly about racism that they think it ought to be pun- punishable by death. Uh whereas other people are, you know, not as affected by that but it still has real-world consequences, but maybe like at the dating thing in your home, maybe, you know, at some regular level none of the life death stuff comes into play but it can still be kind of awkward and it may lead you to change your behavior. But the the emergent <laughs> issue across all of those boards is the person that you are will deg- disagree or agree to some along some continuum from 100% to 0 with whatever rule norm uh, or law that you're up against and that disagreement amount will is is directly proportional to the cognitive dis- dissonance that results so if you really think that racism is the worst thing that could possibly happen in society, if you come up against a parent who says they don't want you to date a boy that's or whatever, somebody with a different skin color, you may make that into uh, a And maybe we all ought to or should be more like that. Let your R come up front, push the shit out of the way, and say, this is how I feel. And then deal with that. Uh, But we we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with that. That's not uh, where our priorities lie. But that's also what causes all of the problems. And the issue is the perceived discomfort between voicing our, our spirit and compared to resisting the, the 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 well compared to the results and the discomfort of what that will create is huge. And it comes down to the strength of the shoulds. And so again, the should is a bully. The should has all the power. The should situation drives a lot of what we do and sometimes it's easy because we don't care. We don't have anything invested in the R side and so we just go along with the should. But that's enabling the system when we have a cognitive dissonance between the are and the should not acting on the are and conceding to the should perpetuates the problem the problem is not exist is not that these two polar or you know polarized situations and feelings occur that's completely normal the problem is how we choose to deal with it, and every time we concede to the should it gives it more power and now we're at a point in society where we don't even know there's a there's a dilemma we don't even understand that the "r has any value or what it is, and we're overcome with should and I think many people walking around the streets today. Are in are and there should 100% of the time, and they're just behaving according to a script of rules, norms, and laws, and have they don't even remember whether they agree with those or not. And maybe that's fine, but in episode 55, I hope I offer a convincing argument as to why it is not fine. And so, I hope. And and this will come out as the episodes evolve, but I hope that that gives a fair um, explanation background to the occurrence of shoulds in our minds, that they are the result of societal norms, rules, and laws that were are designed to help us all get along and are very important in some ways. And some of them are absolutely critical, but those also don't create the same kind of dissonance. It's the other ones. Um, that, that, we have, that, that we have created as society over the last 10 or 15,000 years to govern our behavior when interacting with one another. Some of them aren't that good, some of them are harmful. But more importantly, the disappearance of good discourse and the ability. To voice our opinions and to object or discuss the are versus shoulds, you know, the dissonance. When we have this dissonance, the ability for us to share this and talk about it publicly—that's becoming less and less common, and more and more bullied against by the norms. By you could say society and the government, but it's the norms themselves, it's the rules themselves that give the and and we give the should the power when we don't say what's on our minds, and that's becoming exponentially worse. And so, really, if there's two things we want to do, it's identify the are come be comfortable with that, learn to live with the discomfort of 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 resisting the shoulds and and saying how we feel. To the people around us that matter, and having these discussions as awkward as they may be, because it's we're 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 saving ourselves some short term discomfort, but we're creating some pretty severe long term problems. The are versus should problem might be the most important thing uh, that humans need to solve as we move forward um, through the future. So. I hope that's good. I'll, I'll certainly fill in some blanks where they need to be filled in next week's episode about um, the bully in the DNA, uh, part two, episode 55. So this has been episode 54, Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, The Bully in the DNA, part one. I'll see you next week for part two. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Chris Burchard, Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. Take it easy.